think that we can get much higher than this. You're listening to Can't Get Much Higher, a podcast and newsletter about the intersection of music and data. My name is Chris Dallariva, and I am your host. Today we're going to be talking about death. I've been thinking about death a lot, probably more than most 28-year-olds. Luckily, I'm not thinking about death because I'm dying. I'm thinking about death because it's factored into many of the topics that I've been researching. Stuff like the 65th anniversary of Buddy Holly's tragic passing and the greatest swan song albums of all time. My fixation with death began with a question from a reader, though. Why did so many artists die in their prime in the 1960s and 1970s, and many at the same age of 27? Coincidence? Hard living? Or J. Edgar Hoover conspiracy to take down the counterculture? That was from a reader and listener named Tim. And as a reminder, if you ever have a question that you want me to investigate, you can send it along to me and I will take a look. I answered that question from Tim in a recent mailbag we did, but I knew it deserved a longer response than the couple of paragraphs that I wrote. So today we're going to dive deep into this dismal topic and try to understand what we can learn about musical life by studying its end. As a warning, this piece contains mention of violence and suicide. First, it was Juice World. When the rapper overdosed in December 2019, he was already a star. In fact, his moody anthem, Lucid Dreams, was already six times platinum. But he was on the verge of something bigger. 21 years old and dripping with talent, he was gone. I still see your shadows in my room. Can't take back the love that I gave you. Then it was Pop Smoke. Just two months after Juice World's tragic death, the gravelly-voiced rapper was gunned down in a house he was renting in Hollywood Hills. At the time, he was pushing drill music into the mainstream. He could have been one of the all-time greats, my cousin John has repeatedly said to me. We'll never know. Pop Smoke was 20 years old when he was killed. As somebody who works for a music streaming service, I remember these deaths vividly. Both felt like they brought the music world to a standstill. Two young, talented artists dying weeks apart just as they were reaching the height of their powers. The worst part was that it felt like part of a larger trend. In the last 15 years, so many artists have met their end way too soon. Amy Winehouse, Avicii, Mac Miller, Lil Peep, XXXTentacion, Sophie, and so many more. Then again, this tragic tale basically gets played out in each generation. Look at the popular stars of any decade in the last 100 years and you can find a handful dying before they turn 40. So maybe the deaths of Juice World and Pop Smoke were just another chapter in a depressing age-old tale. Or maybe not. Maybe between COVID-19, the opioid epidemic, pervasive loneliness, and a society-wide mental health crisis, more artists are dying young than ever before. To investigate this concern, I turned to Wikipedia. The collaborative encyclopedia maintains lists of musician deaths from 1950 through the present day. By aggregating those lists, we can see if more notable musicians are dying young. When looking at raw death counts, notable musicians dying before their 40th birthday happened most frequently in the 1990s. In fact, it was a growing trend from the 1950s up to that point. But over the last few decades, we've actually seen declines. Total deaths can be misleading, though. The world population has grown substantially since the 1950s. Furthermore, lifespans have increased, there are more people releasing music than ever before, and the 2020s are not complete as a decade. We should also look at the percentage of notable musicians dying compared to the total population of notable musicians dying to account for some of these factors. This changes the story a bit. Young musicians represented the largest percentage of musical deaths in the 1960s and 1970s rather than the 1990s, the decade the total was the highest. Thankfully, the percentage of musical deaths represented by those under 40 has been at the lowest rates ever in the last two decades. That's great news. 
Still, I thought it was important to look at how those that were dying met their end. That information could help improve this situation even more. I've categorized deaths into eight different categories, and I want to just clarify what each of those grim categories means. First, accidents. These are freak occurrences, unexpected falls, drownings, and even electrocution while handling musical equipment. But it doesn't include anything related to travel. Second is cancer. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Third, drugs. This includes accidental overdoses and issues related to drug and alcohol consumption. Fourth is health issues. This is a very, very broad category that captures any disease, illness, or complication from surgery. It, of course, does not include cancer. Fifth is suicide, which is also self-explanatory. Sixth is travel. This is largely made up of car and airplane crashes, but also includes assorted boating and biking accidents. Seventh is violence. This includes any type of killing by another person, premeditated or not. And eighth is unknown, and I've decided to include natural causes in that unknown category. With these definitions in mind, and the fact that I only limited a death to a single category even though they sometimes included multiple factors, we can see some harrowing and heartening trends. First, the largest percentage of deaths with an unknown cause have occurred recently. This isn't a shock. More details emerge as time goes on. Second, given that many artists that I love died while traveling, I knew that life on the road could be dangerous, but I didn't realize how dangerous it used to be. From the 1950s through 2009, 22% of every notable musician dying before the age of 40 was dying in some travel-related accident. Luckily, that percentage has declined in the last 15 years, likely due to enhanced safety features in cars and airplanes. Third, young artists are getting killed via some form of violence more frequently than ever before. And finally, suicide and drug-related deaths have been relatively consistent for the past 75 years. It's worth noting that drugs, violence, and suicide kill more notable young musicians than the entire population of notable musicians. This oddly provides a glimmer of hope. If every young musician were dying from some incurable disease, I wouldn't know what to do. But there are known ways to lessen gun violence, drug use, and suicide. I won't pretend to be an expert on those topics. But in the same way that improved travel safety has led to fewer artists dying on the road, we can also do things to prevent tragic death at the hands of guns, drugs, and mental illness. There is a better way forward. As always, we recommend a new song and an old song each week. The new song this week comes from Amy Carty and is called Two Days Into College. It is a song whose popularity is almost completely due to TikTok. So here's a short story about many songs that go viral on TikTok. The artist uploads a short clip of an upcoming song. People love it. Hype builds. Once the song comes out, people play it and realize that everything about the song beyond the 15-second clip that was shared on TikTok is awful. Amy Cardi's Two Days Into College does not suffer from this malady. When Cardi uploaded a TikTok performing the song in early December, her Irish accent just peeking through her vocal, I was struck by the completeness of the song. The lyrical imagery was rich and the melody was emotive. It wasn't just an idea. It was a song. When the studio version of the song came out shortly after, it did not disappoint. In fact, its sparse arrangement made it very similar to the original TikTok. And that's a good thing. A song like this doesn't require the bells and whistles often associated with contemporary pop. With that in mind, here is Two Days Into College by Amy Cardi. I'm two days into college and I'm three lectures behind There's this guy, let's name him Colin, he says he wants to be mine But it doesn't really sit with me quite right Cause he doesn't really like the things I like And I keep accidentally locking myself out of my dorm in the middle of the night I wake up kinda wired and I wake up kinda cold And I wake 
The old song this week will take us back to 1954, and it is a song called Pledging My Love by Johnny Ace. As the first person to top one of Billboard's charts posthumously, Johnny Ace is arguably the original rock and roll tragedy. Born in the summer of 1929, Ace had a handful of hit records under his belt before turning 26. Then tragedy struck. On Christmas Day 1954, Ace accidentally shot himself while taking a break in between sets. The details on what actually happened are unclear. Some sources claim he was playing Russian roulette. Others claim he didn't realize the gun was loaded while he was fooling around with it. The details aside, the young singer was gone. His posthumous single, Pledging My Love, would go on to be his biggest song yet. With that in mind, here's Johnny Ace's song, Pledging My Love. Promise me, darling, your love in return. Make this fire in my soul, dear, forever. 
My heart's at your command, dear, to keep love and to hold. Making you happy is my desire, dear. Keeping you is my goal. I'll forever love you the rest of my days. I'll never part from you. And your loving way My heart's at your commanding To keep love and to hold Making you happy is my desire, dear. Keeping you is my goal. I'll forever love you the rest of my days. I'll never part from you and your loving way. If you enjoyed this podcast, like, rate, subscribe on wherever you are listening to it. And as a reminder, this is also a newsletter, so go online and subscribe to that newsletter. Newsletter subscribers get additional content that is not available on the podcast. Uh, If not, I will be back next week in either case. So see you soon. (laughs) 